Each week, we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice while doing our best to help you seasonally manage your garden and landscape. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down to Earth Landscape Design, and with me is my co-host and co-author, Matthew Dressing. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it's important and possible to have great gardens, which are sustainable and low maintenance, and we want to help you make it happen. That's right. And we want to thank you for tuning in today and listening to our November in the Garden episode. Even though as we record this episode, it does not feel like it's anywhere close to November, does it, Matt? Not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it has been unseasonably warm. They were right, uh, as we were talking about in earlier episodes, that it is going to be a very warm unseasonably so, uh, October. And it is held true as we reach the last days. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we were talking before the show. I went out to clients to do some fall cleanup. And I can't even believe it's so beautiful. I went dressed for a November day or late October day. Yeah. And uh, I was dying to eat. So <laughs> yeah, it is unseasonably warm. But that means there's still Lots of things that you can get to if you haven't quite got to them yet. That's right. That's that's right. right. So we'll talk about them in November in the garden. Yeah. Yeah. Especially since there's not really that much to do in in November. But but I feel like November is the good time. Like all the stuff you didn't get done in October, you can still do, especially if it's mild, you can still do in November. Definitely, definitely. Yes, and the, and the first one that comes to my mind is bulbs, and I prefer to planting bulbs. I prefer to do them as late as possible. Um, just the battle with the squirrels and and all of that. <laughs> How I, about you? Yeah, I agree totally. I'm the same way. I leave it as late as I possibly can. Um, yeah, because the squirrels, they're still mm-hmm. foraging as long as it's warm until we get a really good frost or good cold snap, they're going to be out and about and active. It's too yeah. warm for them to go to sleep. So why risk your bulbs? Of course, unless you're planting things like your alliums or your daffodils or fritillarias mm-hmm. where they're not really going to bother them or dig them, they might dig them up, but they're not going to take them away as food because they're not going to eat them. Right. You, you could plant them earlier if it's so fit your schedule but yeah the classics like our tulips and our crocuses that uh, everybody loves are going to be easy pickings for our critter friends so Mm -hmm. yeah I love to wait and as long as possible and as long as you can work that ground you can plant them Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've told, said on the show before, uh, I've planted them in the first week of January. It yeah. was just, there was snow, but it hadn't really frozen, frozen yet. And we were able to get into the ground and they came up perfectly. Yes. So yeah, if you haven't planted bulbs yet, I still have some clients I need to put some bulbs in for. Um, so I'm going to still be doing it. You have lots of time to still plant, uh, some bulbs for sure for sure yes what you might not have time for is actually purchasing them so (laughs) as much as we're suggesting that you wait on the planting I do advise that you get out there and do some shopping and and kind of get uh get the especially the good the good ones you know um uh yeah they may sell out you know they're definitely popular and they may sell out at your local garden centers that type of thing sometimes if you wait you get them you might get them on sale at the big box store because they they got to clear them out so they can make room for oh my goodness Christmas decorations. But uh, yes, yeah, so yes. I've, I've gotten some deals in the past that way. 
Um, have you ever done, because I know you you garden uh, on your balcony, have you done them in a container at all, like to try to force them or that type of thing? Yeah, I've done them in my window boxes in the past. Ooh. And so I'll just layer uh, some like larger tulips. I think the ones I often did a few years were daffodils, but then I put some crocuses or muscari or grape hyacinth. So I had something taller and then something shorter, like in between. And then I always left a little like four inch pot unplanted to so just like an empty pot okay. um, to put ivy in. So I could pull it out the pot and then plug a little ivy in there. Oh. Um, and then I always had something trailing, but yeah, I would plant the bulbs, plant them like normal. I mean, you're not going to be able to maybe get the six inches on the package, but a good potting mix. And then I put them right up against my wall on the Northeast side. So they got a little bit of sun, but they did stay nice and cold all the way through. Okay. And so as they started to show up or as it started to warm up, I just put the window boxes out where they were, let the sun warm them up and they all started to come up so my ivies I'd put out as soon as I could if you do something like ivies you end up with them uh, starting to blush they'll get some cold damage and uh, they'll kind of turn a little bit of red um, but that's that's not too that's bad okay. Yeah. that's okay uh, and they'll go green again eventually and grow out of it and then yeah I just let them warm up I get the crocuses or the muscari coming first and then the daffodils blooming in mid-spring would come up afterwards or the tulips or if I had an early mm -hmm. spring tulip you could do it that way too. So yeah, Excellent. definitely successful uh, a way of doing it, especially if you have a very large container. You can mm -hmm. layer things like fertilarias and alliums and really get a thriller, filler, spiller kind yeah. of thing going with it. Yeah. 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 And I think it's a cool gift idea too. So if there's anybody definitely. out there that has time um, and space to store it and, and keep them cool, um, you know, I think it's a, it's a, a neat thing that you could do now um, and then give as a gift. And then, um, you know, whether it's a gift for the new year, if you've got somebody in your life who has a January, February birthday, I think it's a cool gift um, or even at Christmas and, and just, uh, you know, so I, I think it's an idea. <laughs> I'd love it as a gift. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Especially as you get into Easter, or you just want a pop of spring color. Now's mm -hmm. the time to get the selection. We're always looking in the garden centers for those forced tulips or daffodils or hyacinths or or something right so yeah mm -hmm. a great mm -hmm. gift idea yeah and speaking <laughs> of bulbs and a great gift idea we can't forget about amaryllis that's right november in the garden is the time to plant your amaryllis especially if you want it blooming for christmas so as we mentioned it is the, you know, almost November, which means it is uh, time for Christmas to start appearing in the stores. And amaryllis will show up at the beginning to mid uh, time in our independent garden centers and other places. So that's the time to pick it up. Like our other bulbs, get out there early, watch at your favorite stores, especially if you want some of the funkier ones or the newer uh, cultivars for the season. I always like the, there's a green one. Um, that's like green, red, and white, and it's kind of all striped and picketed, but they go so fast. So watch for your favorite one now, and then you want to have it planted up between November 12th and November 15th if you want it to flower for around Christmas. Oh, okay. So by the time we get into, you know, the week before Christmas and the week of Christmas, when we're having dinner parties or we're looking for a couple of key pieces of decoration before the big day or at the big day, 
that's when we want to plant our amaryllis for sure. Okay. Yeah. And I am, um, I brought in, cause I put mine outside. So I have mm-hmm. five, I believe five bulbs that I put outside. I've never done this before. I put them outside for the whole summer. I didn't plant them, but I just had them out. Um, and now I brought them back in and they're in a dark cupboard. So is that the same thing? Like, do I need to bring them out kind of mid November and start feeding them and watering them and that that'll bring them out of their dormancy? Yeah. So the bulb itself doesn't need like a full, full dormancy. Um, but yeah, lowering the light and kind of telling it it's time to kind of stop for a bit and then bringing it back out and giving it those longer days will give it that, you know, short day okay. growing longer day period where we're mm-hmm. going to see that force a spike kind of like our, um, you know, our holiday cactus or Christmas, Easter and oh, okay. Thanksgiving cactus. They bloom when the days grow, start to grow longer. Yeah. Mm, so okay. Bring them out yeah. When I, spike. when I put them away, I didn't, they all had leaves that were kind of, some of them were still green. I think one was a bit Brown, um, but I didn't cut them off. I just left them because I figured that maybe in the cupboard, they would just kind of go dormant themselves and fall off. So when I take them out, do I, am I cutting back those leaves? If they're still green, you can leave them. Okay. But if you find that they're dead, yeah, just cut them off and then they'll detect warmer and more water and a little bit more light uh, and they should respike or give you out some more leaves again. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. good. So it's up to yeah. you. They may just go partly evergreen, depending on how dark that cover cupboard is. Mm-hmm. If there's any light penetrating through the cracks or anything like that, they may stay. But if it's very, very dark or pitch black permanently, they'll probably go to sleep or lose or abandon their leaves. Okay. Yeah. But everybody's cupboard and everybody's situation is different. I know, right? so, so different. <laughs> so different. And I haven't had luck um, doing this. So that's why I put them outside. In the past, I've just brought them, like put them in dark and then brought them out into the light in in still in the basement though I haven't so this is my first time that I put them outside yeah um so yeah so I'm curious to see how this uh how this goes they'll have to listeners will have to follow along to see how (laughs) how it turns out (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so our vegetables and fruits so if we you know haven't had time I finally got to pulling out all my old tomato and some lots of the um the veg that we had uh, kind of that was, you know, all dried and, you know, <laughs> ready to be pulled out. I finally got to the cleanup. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So now is the time, if you haven't, um, getting out and removing any of the tomatoes or the lettuce or any of the other veggies. It was a great season as well, though. Um, if you wanted to extend your season, you could still be planting some very short day um lettuces or spinaches or if you do have some stuff that is looking good still you might again put up a a hoop house or protect them just to again extend that season right now I would be opening them just a little bit because especially here in the GTA we've had 16 degree plus weather Uh, but otherwise yeah it is time to start picking up all of that rotting fruit and dead lettuce and everything like that and just pulling it out or even just cutting it down to the ground letting winter come in and uh, killing it. Yeah, so tidying up our veg garden. I know my containers are all nice and clean. I do have some uh, shallots that are still there, some green onions. They're just, they've been loving the last uh, four weeks, and they're just pumping out new greens. I always cut them for nachos or potatoes or something like that. So yeah, they're still just booming along. So yeah, so definitely time to clean up. We don't want to overwinter 
any pests or diseases mm. right uh, right especially to pop up and show up for next year yeah and speaking of pests if you do have a fruit tree um you know, any trees, I, I'm going to talk about that when we get to trees and shrubs as well. But I certainly we certainly know that mice and rabbits love the bark on fruit trees. So we do recommend to, now as you know, getting to the garden center and buying if you don't already have it in your garage, like I do, those white vinyl, you know, tree wrap. Yeah, yeah, the little vinyl tree guards for sure. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So it will really help. You know, it's an easy thing to do. They're fairly inexpensive, but it protects, you know, you always think, you know, what, who made that damage? Cause it's so high up. It couldn't have been an app, you know, a mouse or, or, or a rabbit, but you forget about the snow, right? So as exactly. the snow uh, reaches high, then they can get to different heights on uh, the trunk and really cause some damage and some, and really destruction really. Yeah, exactly. If they girdle that trunk, mm. they've cut off all that veins for all that sap to go back up and, and do its thing. So you can end up with it dead. The other thing to do, remember too, is um, it just make sure you're taking it off because it oh, doesn't yes. expand and grow with the tree. Yeah. yeah. So you do want to take it off um, in the spring. If you found that um, you can leave it on for the spring, but you don't want to leave it on year after year. Right. If you do find that you find that the your fruit tree is blooming and then you year after year you kind of get hit by the frost you can leave that on until we start to see the flowering because what happens is the white vinyl will reflect some of the light and the heat energy being absorbed by the trunk and it'll slow the warming of the trunk really? when start to delay the flowers yeah um it used to be, and I don't know anymore, so if there's any European listeners, I would love to, for you to comment on this episode and let me know. Uh, but the Europeans used to paint um, hydrated lime on the fruit trees, and it would last for about a year. But what would happen is that white would reflect the light, and then it would slowly delay the flowers to come out. So you'd skip the frost by the time they warmed up and generated enough to bloom. Yeah. Oh. yeah. So that can be a whole debate, too, because of phenological order and is it blooming at the right time at the same mm -hmm. time as the bees and the other beneficials. But yes, so it's one of those those tricks. If you find that yours is blooming a little too early and you're losing it every year, mm. you may do that as well. OK, yeah. could that help even with magnolias? Yes, I can see that. Yeah. Older when they're young, yes, but the older yes. they get, they're just so big, right? Yes, yes, yeah. That, we definitely are talking young trees. I mean, that it is meant to go, you know, around thinner, you know, and, and fruit trees do tend to be like a thinner trunk. So that's why right. they, um, but, you know, even the Japanese maples, anything that's thinner, yeah. some of the standard high, standard trees, you know, it's just a good idea to get that tree wrap. And I know myself, I haven't done it in a few years and, and I haven't been recommending it to my clients. And I did have a few, several clients last year that had some damage. So um, that's why I wanted to really make sure we talked about it today to just yeah. encourage everybody to, you know, it's a simple thing. It is. It is a simple thing. It takes like literally two minutes to throw her around mm -hmm. and play with her. And it does so much benefit over that season mm -hmm. of growth for sure. For sure. What else is growing in our gardens? It's the end of our annuals and perennials. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you can definitely be pulling out uh, your annuals or cutting them back to the ground. I always find, especially if you're replanting in that area, definitely pull out those root balls. Um, it makes it easier to do 
then in the spring they just mm-hmm. come pop right out you can leave them if you just want to let them kind of decompose over the next couple of years uh, but definitely you can pull them completely out there are some things like I always think of like alyssum. If you have something like an alyssum or a portulaca that you're going to let uh, self-seed and come back, you okay. can leave those annuals in place and they'll act as a, like a protective nursery for those ones that are going to self-seed for you oh. every year as well. So don't okay. pull those ones, but maybe pull your other ones that aren't mm-hmm. going to self-seed. Yeah. 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 And as far as your perennials go, we have talked about it, you know, for years on the show about we really don't have to do much, you know, there's, I mean, I do do kind of, we haven't gotten a frost that's killed the hosta leaves yet. So I do, Mm -hmm. I do not a fan of looking at mushy yellow hosta leaves. So I do kind of uh, suggest you clean those up if you are able to. Um, And if you're not, that's no big deal because they will dry up and be nothing in the spring. Right. Um, But as far as your other uh, perennials go, um, you know, it's really, nothing you need to do much you know you you the stems let the there's some seeds there for depending on the perennial for birds to eat off of um we know our native bees a whole bunch of different types of varieties of native bees that will may overwinter in the stem um if there's something that's really high and you do want to kind of cut it back you know what you could do is do that but just leave the stems on the ground beside the plant right Matt like you don't you know we do not have to um, vacuum and and quote unquote put the garden to bed anymore right exactly it was just an old way of of thinking and keeping it looking clean and fresh and Mm -hmm. it was an aesthetics thing but naturally another one goes around and does any of that stuff out in nature and we want to build that biodiversity and Mm -hmm. return that nature to our gardens Uh, and that helps with a lot of those insects pests and diseases uh, and other things as well that's so yeah definitely the only thing i would really recommend removing if it was an issue was just anything that was heavily diseased Mm, just so it doesn't continue its intensity into the to the year after i always think of like we talked about um cutting back our peonies yeah um, just recently right they're usually riddled with powdery mildew depending on your spot um, or have a touch of it anyways so you know we're cutting those back and removing it because it's the time or you know something else had a powdery mildew or a rust it's good to remove those so they don't overwinter and create more problems but yeah mm-hmm. let nature do her thing mm-hmm. let nature do her thing um, another thing in November uh, that you might not think of, because sometimes you're kind of done, right? But especially since the weather has been pretty good, um, now is a good time to relocate uh, some of your annuals or some of your perennials or shrubs. Uh, I did that this week, Matt. I uh, I, I cut back, had cut back my peonies and I have been, my sun is changing, you know, where I'm, so I've been, I've have a few, a few peony bushes that were no longer getting very much sun. So not really performing. Mm -hmm. So I was able to relocate them. Um, I was able to, you know, I ended up taking out a few hydrangeas in order to do that. (gasps) Um, Yeah, I know. (laughs) Some of my bobos. Um, so it is a good time because I think in the spring, there's so much to do and you forget what, you know, and, and peonies especially do prefer to be moved in the fall than they, than they do when the spring. Yeah. So, um, I even moved a tree peony. So fingers crossed there that that worked out. Okay. I know. Hopefully (laughs) those, those are movable. Yeah. They're pretty tough. 
Um, and I've had to, well, and then we, then I thought we were going to get a ton of rain and we didn't. And so then I had to water and then now we've gotten a bit more rain. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm glad about that. So, yeah, yeah, so that is something to think about. You can, even though you might feel kind of done as far as uh, gardening goes, but if there's something you were unhappy with the location or that some one plant's kind of overgrowing another plant and, and you want to, you know, want to move it, um, now is the time to do that. Exactly. I like um, you mentioned watering as well. Mm. That's another key point, especially here in the GTA, because we've had such a warm uh, season. Things are still transpiring and going through the water that they have in the ground. So you still may need to go out, especially with newer plants um, or newer plantings. You still need to go out and make sure they do get a little bit of a drink down to the bottom of that root ball. Or if you have some larger, older, established uh, plant material and it has been very dry or unusually dry, consider going out and still just again watering the base. Don't water their leaves depending on where you are. Mm -hmm. You don't need to encourage any diseases, but giving them a good drink uh, because even now as their leaves are starting to go they are still transpiring and they are still using and resources and fortifying themselves and do need a little bit of that that water so they can finish going to bed now so yeah don't forget about all that water <laughs> um, don't forget about that water especially as we move into things like our um evergreen shrubs and i always say it but you know that once a week rule once a week to the bottom of the hole until the ground freezes solid um evergreens are evergreen they'll always have moisture being mm -hmm. pulled out um high pressure low pressure kind of thing leaf being high pressure of water yeah. air is nice and dry just pulling out water so it needs to replace that or else we start to see it brown especially when she wakes up in the spring Mm -hmm. And I think that is better to do. So we do, we will have some listeners who are fans of, of all those covers and those little tents and those little, or, you know, burlap, we all kind of, we, you know, there's a place for burlap and we'll get to that. Yes. But, you know, the industry has created all of these little, you know, I guess gadgets or these things to, to quote unquote, protect our plants for the winter. But if we watered them, I, I think, I mean, I think it's, you know, there's low maintenance and then there's, and there's, but there's no such thing as no maintenance. So I mm -hmm. feel like it's a bit of a, um, I don't know. It's, is it a bit of a, I don't even know what to call it, um, <laughs> of a cheat or a shortcut to, to buy those little tents and teepees. But the reason we, we plant evergreens is so that you would see the evergreens in the winter. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want to see these little tents in my garden and no offense, I certainly don't want to see them in yours <laughs> either. Not you, Matt, but you know, our listeners. So I think, you know, you're putting in evergreens and you're putting in sh things that attract, um, you know, that look nice and interesting in the winter. Um, you know, I, I just, I think it's so artificial and that just to start the last five years or so, eh? the, the, the trend. And I get it, you know, that people need to make money or whatever on those, those pieces of, I don't even know what to call it, accessor garden accessories or garden, yes. whatever. But, you know, to me, it, you can't put it in the same boat as like the tree wrap or the burlap oh. for Japanese maple, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. I mean, those are really functional. I, I think those little teepees and those little, you know, like covers, I think they're like dessert covers, you know, I think of. They are. That's exactly what <laughs> right? I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, 
um, just water your garden and water, water anything that's newly planted, water an evergreen that needs to be, um, you know, and I, I saw in another uh, Facebook group about someone who had planted it this summer had planted a yew hedge and they were asking, you know, um, he said, oh, for the, you know, for the first season, I'm going to go and cover it all with burlap or, or maybe get some of those, you know, those little covers. And I'm like, no, you know, and he, I think he did say he was getting the covers and he was like, do I fill the covers with leaves and then cover the, the, the evergreen? And I'm like, oh, no. no. <laughs> so, no. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I'm sorry if you're a listener and, and you did that, but. But yes, no, Mother Nature like knows what it's doing. And, it, you know, if something was newly planted, whether you planted it last week or you planted it this season, mm -hmm. uh, the 2023 garden season, it's still considered a new plant in your garden. And it just needs to be watered well so that it could draw up the water throughout the winter. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we did. Yeah, I can say that's that's literally like you said, nature has it all mm -hmm. figured out. We've just broken her natural mulch and we just have yeah. to make sure she has water. And sometimes there might be a reason to do a wind screen, you know, mm -hmm. like maybe there is a plant that you, you, you really loved and you, and you planted it in a, in a kind of a windy spot. And then you could do a bit of a wind screen. I think it, be better to plant other plants to provide that windscreen kind of in front of it or front of it or around it. Um, but that certainly doesn't mean, you know, tightly winding and tightly covering um, your plant. Agreed. Agreed. Yes. Do we want to talk about that in our shrubs or do we want to quickly move through lawn and as we follow the order of our book that's right you uh, have our book down the garden path a step-by-step -step guide to your ontario garden uh we're just moving through our month so don't forget to pick up your copy on amazon to have all of these tips uh at your fingertips mm -hmm. uh, at literally. any time mm -hmm. of year literally at your fingertips at any time of of the year that's right. Um, well, lawn is big, and we did do. Um, we've got a, a, a previous show that uh, that we just released about those five uh, lawn care tips. So we don't necessarily need to do a deep dive, but we, you know, I'm sure you. Um, so if you want, if you do want, like the absolute five things you need to do, then listen to that past show, right, Matt? Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. We can almost just skip over it because it's like you need to go yeah. listen to that episode uh, right now because that covers everything that you need to do in November mm -hmm. for sure. So there's lawn, the shortest lawn we've ever done on the show. That's right. The <laughs> shortest lawn we've ever done. Oh, my goodness. My goodness. Um, so, yes. Da, da, da. Um, So if we go back to trees and shrubs, uh, so trees also, I, I think we mentioned shrubs and perennials about watering them, but trees are really important to water too. Yes, indeed. We don't want to let any of our newly planted trees, whether there are street trees or especially if there are street mm. trees, uh, blue or dry out as well. We want to make sure that they also get enough water to make it through the winter. I think, and you're a huge fan of this, um, you know, making sure that those street trees get mm -hmm. watered. Um, yeah. You, I think they're often, like you've said as well in the past, they're often neglected. Everybody thinks they're just a street tree. Mm -hmm. It's the city's responsibility, but really it's part of your landscape. It is yeah. a key component of your landscape. Mm -hmm. um, and why wouldn't you want your street tree to look big and beautiful yeah. and uh, keep it healthy for sure. Make sure that you are still watering 
your trees. If you're in a spot where it's warm enough, for example, us, we haven't had the ground freeze, even though they are losing their leaves, those roots are still active, preparing to shut down. Uh, we've said it on the show many times, the tree gators or those tree bags where you can fill it with water. You still have time to put one of those out and let them just soak in and do your thing. Those roots are still active doing their thing. We still have the ground unfrozen. They'll still take that water. And if you did have a newly planted um, small tree, then the tree wrap, like we previously mentioned, you might consider staking. Like if you noticed, you know, on a windy day, we've had some windy days this past week. Mm -hmm. um, You know, if the new tree was installed and was, was planted, but not with a stake, um, you know, you can kind of evaluate. Sometimes it's good to not bother with a stake and let the plant, you know, kind of, ex- you know, have, strengthen its roots to actually do the work. Um, but sometimes you know if it's in a particularly bad spot and it needs a little bit of help for the first year or so. We definitely don't need to. It's like the tree wrap, right? We want You need to take it off. It's not going to be there forever. That's right. Yes, like the tree wrap, we do want to leave them on for a year or two. And when you put your stakes in, you want to make sure you're putting them outside of the root ball. So Mm. if you dug a foot and a half wide hole, then you're going to put them out beyond that foot and a half. We want stable, undisturbed ground. And like you said, that that tree kind of wiggle and build that taper um, and build its own strength to stand. That's called thigmomorphogenesis. There's our term for the day. I'll add it to our, yeah, thigmomorphogenesis. Okay. Can you add that to the show notes? To the show notes. Yeah, that's where it gets that um, by touch and the movement of the wind. It develops that dense taper and it prevents it from long stringy whatever bro oh. anyways i digress <laughs> <laughs> oh he still loves his science you guys he still loves his science words and things and stuff and i love learning something like that from you so thank you um if you do have a shrub i know i did move some shrubs around in my garden like i mentioned i moved the peonies i moved the, some other shrubs around i removed some shrubs so now is is kind of a good time to do that if you're trying to make room for, you know, planting in the spring. Uh, I feel like it's just something sometimes you just remember now and, and in the spring you forget. And then, you know, it's like July and you're like, oh, yeah, I was supposed to move that or, yeah, that wasn't supposed to be there. Mm-hmm. So um, so now's a good time to to do that if you want to continue to putter in the garden. So let's talk about again, go back and revisit our protecting our trees and shrubs if we need to we definitely emphasize using the tree wrap especially for uh, young trees and fruiting trees or uh, maples things with delicious bark for our animals Um, we like to leave our evergreens out so that we can see them evergreen but there are some situations uh, where we might want to build a wind screen or a salt screen just to protect any of our trees or shrubs or hedges for example like that gentleman you were mentioning or whoever that individual was they were building a hedge of yews and all of that protection yeah we don't necessarily need to do that but if you know that hedge is on an exposed side of your yard or an open area across the street or you're on the top of a hill and you know this area gets windswept you may consider putting up just a screen and so what that means is you're not going to cover the whole thing but you're going to basically put in posts every four to six feet and you're going to create a wall of burlap Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. on that. And it's just on the wind side to right. help break some of that wind. I always recommend, you know, usually like six to eight inches above as well, just so the wind kind of pushes and flows over it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't burn right. out the top. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of where if you're on the unscreened side, it may look a little ugly um, just because you can see the tops of the posts and the whatever. But right. Yeah. yeah, But, but dead uh, trees look ugly too. So we're trying to keep yeah. the trees alive. That's right. Burnt <laughs> yeah. evergreens look just as ugly. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And it's the same idea with Japanese maples. We mm-hmm. talk about protecting them. Now, I think I feel, I don't know if you agree or not. I feel like it's only really important the first couple of years until they get established. They get their roots established. Again, it's the wind. They are yeah. in nature in Japan. They are an understory tree. Whereas in Canada, we seem to plant them in the middle of front lawns. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we need to protect the wind. So it's it's um it is hammering um wooden stakes around the perimeter and stapling the the burlap to those to that um to the stakes. You know, it's fine for them to get snow and rain and we don't need to close up the top the the top of them. I've seen some people, you know, tie that up into a nice little bundle. You do really don't want to do that. You do want it to get um the moisture and the snow. It is really meant to just be a windscreen. And again, I know the first couple of years, I always feel bad when I put one in the front yard and, you know, and they put in lighting and they are just so excited about their new front yard. And I'm like, yeah, but in winter, you're going to have to like have this little eyesore for the first couple of years just to protect uh, your Japanese maple. But it's usually worth it. And and they're usually fine with doing that. So I would say you wrap some Christmas lights around it or something to make it look better. Um, But yes, so if you've got any questions about that, we do have pictures. Um, We've got previous episodes, I'm sure that we've talked specifically about Japanese maples and uh, and pictures on our uh, Instagram as well. So, uh, and of course, in our book, <laughs> we've got a step-by-step uh, process of doing that in the book. So, uh, um, or you can just reach out with questions. If you've got questions, uh, you know where to find us. So you also can use the windscreen, like Matt was saying about evergreens um, to do that, to, to, to do a burlap screen. And remember, I mentioned that the other person mentioned about putting leaves and things, but that just makes a house for and a cozy spot for insect or not insects for mice so you know so again if you're going to use one of those little teepees over something you don't want to fill it with uh with leaves and soil or anything like that um and same with if you're covering a new newly planted evergreen um you know you don't you want to do a screen or you just want to make sure you're watering well you don't want to mound a lot of things um on purpose around your uh, evergreens um what about rose protection matt well i was just gonna say that too i was gonna follow up with rose protection Mm -hmm. and then i was also just gonna throw out one last thing about as you mentioned leaves and debris and and mice and things getting in there i also do that with when i put the stakes up as well um, like around a Japanese maple or have to build like one of those open topped forts. I always also recommend leaving a little bit of like a flare on the bottom. So don't put like your burlap, like end it right at the ground, let it oh, kind of okay. skirt. And then the burlap will absorb a little water or they get some soil on there and it'll freeze. So if there is a little bit of a thaw or, you know, there are still some activity, they can't get underneath there and then get in there and build a home. If anything does make its way mm. in there as well. So just like yep. another little layer of defense. Yeah. Yeah. But rose protection, again, another great idea. Uh, rose protection, 
uh, one of my clients, they had a gift where they got a little, one of those little mini roses, oh, you know, the yeah. type you buy in mm-hmm. early spring. And they are actually hardy out in the yard garden. Yeah, so and they're really prolific bloomers too. They are. They just literally just spew flowers from spring mm-hmm. to fall. Uh, theirs is still blooming right now. And uh, I'm waiting. What we want to do for protection is we need a good frost before we put them to sleep. Okay. So we want a good first light frost, but a good, like a moderate frost. We don't need like, this is the first ice freezing. It's never mm-hmm. going to, but a good solid frost. And then we can start to protect them because we're going to start to get some good frost after that. Okay. If we build a hut or a fort around them, what will happen is uh, they'll start to sweat under there. And I would keep, kept thinking about that oh. with the, uh, um, the you, the guy who's putting the leaves and then he's going to yeah. wrap it tightly. I was like, on a warm day, like we're seeing in late October, that's just going to heat up like a little greenhouse and it's just going to sweat. You're going to unwrap and it's going to have sweat to death and burnt. So same with roses. We do want to mound them and just protect their root zone a little bit because most of the roses that you're going to buy are grafted. So they have a hardier rootstock and the graft is above the ground on the crown. And then above that is the scion wood, the, the one that we've wanted to keep because it gives, you know, beautiful scented, lots of roses. So we want to protect that graft. So just mounding them around for four to six inches around that graft and then putting over your rose collar or your rose cover. Even if you do like a cover, you can do those like little paper houses. Mm-hmm. and then just anchor with some soil or some rocks or you could leave it completely open and that's where you'll see the rose collars so it's about 10 inches of plastic and you bury a little dig a little trench you okay. wrap that around it and then you fill the inside and outside of the cover with uh, some soil or just some leaves okay. um, I do the little little hut because it's just a little mini rose and I literally just take some extra mulch or soil okay. and push it up against the edges. And there's always like, you know, you find a little rock in the garden. Well, I keep one underneath one of their shrubs just to kind of help anchor it or yeah. wedge it in. But now I have carpet roses and I don't do anything. I must well, say that was my butt. But if you do have things like your carpet roses or your climbing roses, um, uh, oh, so easies, things like that. Yeah, you, like hardy shrub roses, right? And, and shrub roses the, are um, Yeah, the, the um, what is it called? Explorer series. Like yes. those hardy shrub roses and things. Um, you don't the need native to ones do with the rose hips. Like you, there's really nothing you need to do, right? No, it's more for like the grandifloras, floribundas, hybrid teas, teas yeah. those ones that are really the more ones you're going to mound. Yeah. Climbing roses, I mean, they're up, they're going to do their thing. And like you said, like the shrubs and the ground covers and the, the all those guys they're perfectly fine as well they're mm-hmm. going to do it if you think of like your walmart garden i always see that there's all the ways at the walmart near me um they have all sorts of the rosa ragosa shrub roses and they don't do anything and they take mm-hmm. all the salt they don't prune them except for maybe to shape them in early spring or late spring uh, but they have no protection so they're they're good and tough so if you have one of those types you're good if you have the other ones and you're finding it's weak every year or it's dying back too much every year you may need to give it a little bit of protection perfect yeah. 
Perfect. So I think we've covered everything. Um, if you if we did miss something, then we would love to hear from you about what other advice you need in your November garden. Um, we're assuming you've already brought your house plants inside and your uh, tropical plants should be inside or else you're bringing them inside to the garbage to toss them, right? <laughs> I brought my figs into the garage. Uh, so yeah, so I think uh, we have covered everything. Um, so yeah, is there anything else that you think we missed, Matt? No, I think that's it. So thank you, everybody, for joining us on this episode of Down the Garden Path. I'm Matthew Dressing here with my co-host and co-author, Joanne Shaw. Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path, bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden. We've learned right along with you from our research and from the wonderful guests who have joined us here on the show. That's right. So don't forget, you can spend more time with us down the garden path. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Down the Garden Path Podcast. You can also find us on your favorite podcast provider. And while you are there, please hit that subscribe button to be notified of new content. And please don't forget to like, share, and leave us a comment. We love hearing from our listeners. You can always write us at Down the Garden Path Podcast at hotmail.com or via our websites. You can find me at downtoearth.ca with number two and Matt at naturalaffinity.ca. Thanks everybody. Thanks for joining us down the garden path. <laughs>